Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. Proverbs chapter number 23, if you found your place, I would invite you to stand for just a moment. I'll read our text, pray. Uh, uh, you can stretch your legs just a second, and then uh, after I read our text and pray, I'll preach about two hours and we'll go eat. Bible said this in Proverbs chapter number 22, verse number 28, just a simple verse this morning. Remove not the ancient landmark uh, which thy fathers uh, have set. Remove not the ancient landmark uh, which thy fathers have set. Now, God, uh, I sure do love you today, and I'm thankful, God, for the place uh, that you allow us to worship you today. God, I thank you, Lord, for the people, God, that's here today. God, I thank you, Lord, for our men that's been working diligently all morning, uh, God, to prepare the meal for us after service today. God, I thank you, Lord, for Brother Easter, Lord, that labor faithfully here for years, Father, and started the church. Uh, God, Father, you sure have been good to us uh, here at Amazing Grace. Thank you, God, for the sanctuary, uh, God, that you allow us to sit in today. Uh, God, I pray over the next few minutes, Lord, that you'd help us to preach and power and uh, unction and demonstration of the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, Lord, if there'd be anything in our life, God, I pray that you'd forgive us for it. Uh, uh, God, any wrongdoing, any sin, God, cleanse of that uh, and preach us, Lord, as only you can today. Uh, I pray, God, most of all, that if there'd be any sinner here today lost uh, and on the road to hell, God, may you save them today. Uh, show them their need of you uh, and we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Uh, amen and amen. You can be seated today. I thought about old-fashioned Sunday. Our homecoming Sunday is always what we consider old-fashioned Sunday. Sunday. And uh, I was telling Brother Robert a while ago, I kindly uh, like wearing bibbed overhauls on Sunday morning. Amen. But uh, boy, it's an old-fashioned day. And what do you preach on homecoming day or on old-fashioned Sunday? And this verse just came to my mind a few weeks ago. Uh, I've been studying on it a little bit, and I just want to give you uh, just a simple topical thought uh, out of this verse today. I, I listened to several preachers uh, of days gone by over the last few weeks. Preachers that have already went home to be with the Lord. Preachers that's already in heaven. Uh, great men of God that has made an impact down through the years. Uh, and I thought about what would they preach uh, if they was here today? What would Brother Easter say uh, if he was here today? What would Brother Noah Fry say if Brother Fry was here today? Uh, and I thought about these great men of God of days gone by. And here's what I want to preach on for just a little while. What the preachers of days gone by would say uh, if they was here today. What they would say uh, if they was here today. Here's what the Bible said. Remove not uh, the ancient landmark. Uh, remove not the ancient landmark. Well, what is a landmark? I began to study that word uh, and here's what I found out. 
It's a prominent object on land that serves as a guide, especially, listen to this, especially to ships at sea or to travelers on a road. To ships at sea or to travelers on a road. You know what we are today? Here's what we are today. We're travelers on a road. You say, preacher, why do you say that? Because the road of life will end for each of us one day. It will end for each of us one day. We may be living our life as normal right now, but by the time the sun goes down tonight, our life could be turned upside down. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we do know this, that sooner or later, if the Lord doesn't come back, it's appointed unto man once to die. We're travelers on the road of life, but there has been some landmarks that's been put in place for us. I thought about this. If the men of days gone by could see the condition of our country today, they would roll over in their grave. They would roll over in their grave. Now, hear me and hear me well. Thank God for America today. Thank God for the red, white, and blue. Thank God that I live in America today. I still love America. I love our heritage. I love the freedoms that we have in our country today. But America is not what America used to be. You can say amen or owe me to that, but the truth of the matter is this. Our country is not what it used to be. There is a liberal movement that is sweeping our country today and is destroying our nation. Amen. A liberal movement. Now, I want to say something to you today. and You stay with me just a little while. I'll preach a little while and we'll go eat. I want to say something to you today. I do blame the politicians for the economical mess that we're in today. I do blame the politicians for that. Both sides, you can say amen or oh me, all right? It's not about Democrats. It's, about, it's not about Republicans. Uh, uh, the, the, the political people uh, has run America in the ditch. I will say this in the past few years. You can just take that or leave it however you want to. Our country's in a mess. Financially, our country's in a mess. And I do blame the politicians on that. But more than that, spiritually, our country's in a mess. I do not blame the politicians because of the spiritual condition of our country today. I blame the churches and the preachers because of the spiritual condition of our country today. There used to be a time that preachers stood for what was right. There used to be a time that we had a voice in our country today, but we have allowed the world to shut us up. We've allowed them to. Now, I thought about this. I, 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 I was studying this week, Brother Stan, and here's what I found out. Now, I know how many genders there is. There's two. There's male and female. All right, I know that. 
I know that. There's male and female. But I've done a study this week, and here's what I found out. In America today, there is what they consider, Brother Ted, 107 different genders. 107. It's a sad day. Now, I'm just going to preach this morning, all right? It's a sad day in our county and in our communities and in our countries when they're putting litter boxes in the schools because students identify as something different. I do not blame the politicians on that. I blame us as the Christians who have set back. Well, preacher, we just got to accept them. Well, you want me to tell you what the preachers of days gone by would say? No, we don't have to accept them. God said there's male and there's female. Our country is in a mess today. I'm telling you, people's headed to hell one right after another, and we sit back, we're silent, we allow everybody else to have a voice, and we won't say nothing. We're considered hate speech if we say anything against it. Well, I consider what they say hate speech towards us. Amen. What would they say today? If the preachers of days gone by, I'm going to tell you right now, Churches today couldn't handle Dr. Curtis Hudson preaching today. They couldn't handle Dr. Jack Kyle's preaching today. They couldn't handle Lester Roloff preaching today. We have raised a society, we have raised a society that's so sissified, that's so sissified, Boys, when you shake uh, uh, somebody's hand, shake their hand. I can't stand to stick my hand out to shake a young man's hand, and it's limp-wristed. God help us today. I, you know what? One thing I was preaching for Brother Heath this week, and every night that I preached, a colt walked up to me, and he reached down in his pocket, and he pulled out two or three pocket knives every night. He'd open them up. He'd say, look what I'm carrying today, preacher. I'd say, let me see it, son. We'd sit down and we talked about it. He pulled one, one night out, Brother Stan, he opened it up. I said, where'd you get that one at? He said, we was cleaning Daddy's truck out and found it in the mess in Daddy's truck. <laughs> I, I, that one, uh, you can't buy it. You don't have enough money in your billfold. Or in your bank account to buy that knife. My grandpa owned Western Auto. A lot of y'all don't even know what Western Auto is. But my grandpa owned Western Auto in North Wilkesboro and sold a Boker knife. That's the Boker knife that was on display in his store. I carry it once a year, and that's on Homecoming Sunday. But our boys, I'm just, I'm just being honest, Brother Robert. They're so sissified. It's a shame the condition of our country today. What would the preachers of days gone by say? Number one, I got three things they'd say. Number one, they'd say this. Holy living is still right. Remove not the ancient landmark. What did they establish this country on? 
Let me tell you something today. Even in days gone by, if a man didn't go to church, he still respected his neighbor and the people around him. Holy living is still right in our day. Holy living is still right in our day. Here's some verses this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse number 14 says this, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what uh, concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with with an infidel, or what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said. I will dwell with them and walk with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. It's still biblical today. There's a landmark that has been set for us by our forefathers, Brother Tim. It's biblical to live a holy, pure, separated life. Amen. It's still right today. I I was thinking about this. I was thinking about, uh, let me read you another verse. Let me read you another verse. The Bible said this in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 14 and 15. These things write unto thee, hoping to come to thee shortly. But if I tarry long, listen to this, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. Paul said that we should know how to behave ourselves in church, in church, in church. He refers to the church house, and he says that we should know how to behave in church. My dad's here this morning, and and. My dad is so different than today's generation. I don't mean that ugly. I don't mean that derogatory. Matter of fact, in recent days, he's just said this. I ain't changing. Bless God, I don't care what everybody else says. I was born in a different generation, and I ain't changing. My daddy, I pick on him all the time. My daddy's so old school. When he went and bought a new tractor two years ago, he didn't even get a hydrostatic. That's a true story. He still got a gear shifter. I was with it the other day, and I, man, why'd you get a hydrostatic? I didn't want no hydrostatic. That's how old school my daddy is. And I was talking to him this week and I sent him a video because he don't know how to get all the videos but I can send him a link brother Brian and he can click on that on his phone and it'll take you to it and it was of a church in this county that God help of the way they was acting in that church Dancing, I'm talking about supposed to be like we are. Dancing on the platform and cutting a rug. Hey, what has happened to holiness in the house of God? You say, what would they say? They would say this, when you go to church, you go to church and you respect the house of God. You respect it. 
I, I remember I, 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 I remember I was brought up around church. I lived beside the church. I grew up at the church. I played in the church. We didn't play cowboys and Indians at the church. We played preachers and lost people. And I would preach, and man, I don't know how many would get saved when I was a little kid preaching. All the deacons' kids got saved because the deacons would be cleaning the church and the deacons' kids would be there. Hey, we've buried people. We've had teddy bears get saved, baby dolls speaking tongues. We played in the graveyard. We climbed down in the graves when I was a little boy. They used to put a piece of, 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 of a plyboard over it. We would climb down in the grave and slide it back and scare all the gray-haired women when they come to visit the dead. And a lot of them didn't go to the altar on Sunday morning because they said words when we would holler at them that they'd smack our jaws for saying, somebody say amen. Are you with me? I grew up around church, but here's what I was taught at church. You respected the church. Son, I didn't run in church. I, I scared my life. I got put out. Linda Lineberry put me outside of my Sunday school classroom one time. And this is the truth. I did not do nothing wrong that time. It was Matt Allen. But I got put outside the class. I said that one time. There was a lot of times that I should have got put outside the class that I did. And my mama just happened to be coming down the hall. I don't know if she remembers it, but I still bear the scars today from it. And my mama, Brother Brian, seen me outside the hall, in the hall. And she said, what'd you do? I said, I didn't do nothing. She said, you wouldn't be sitting out here if you didn't do nothing. The minus to living beside the church, she took me home and beat me within a sixteenth of my life. People said they beat me within an inch of my life. Hey, buddy, we got way past the inch. It was probably a 32nd of my life. My mama was a dancing woman. You say, how do you know that? Because she would grab my hand and we would dance around and around. You know what she was teaching me? She was teaching me. She was setting a landmark in my life that when you go down to the house of God, you behave yourself down at the house of God. What would they say to us today? Holy living is still right. Here's what he said. Let me give you a verse. I, I'm about to move and be done. Here's what the Bible said, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people. That word peculiar means this, distinctive in nature or character from others. A lot of people says this, well, I just want my kids to fit in. I just want them to look like everybody else. That's not scriptural. Well, I just want my church to favor the world. That's not scriptural. I just want to look like everybody else. That's not scriptural. The Bible said that we are a peculiar people. Peculiar people. Number one, holy living is still right. Well, I could preach a long time there. I could preach on woe unto the man that puts strong drink to his neighbor's lip. I could preach on be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit of God. Can I get an amen there? 
You say, well, preacher, I, 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 don't, I don't drink to get drunk. Well, if it takes 10 beers for you to get drunk and you took one, you're a tenth drunk. I'm telling you, what would Brother Easter say? He'd preach on it, would he not? He'd pre- I'm telling you, I'm telling you, half of y'all couldn't handle a message by Junior Easter. I'm going to tell you something else. 90% couldn't handle a message by Jesus. Well, preacher Jesus was a preacher of love. Well, here's what he said, you hypocrites. You hypocrites, you vipers. He said, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying you speak well of me with your mouth, but your heart's as far from me. I think the problem in America today is that preachers have become too soft. Hey, holy living is still right. We should walk right. We should talk right. The world should see a difference in the way that we live our life today. Well, number one, they would say this. What would preachers of late say? They'd say holy living is still right. Number two, they'd say this. Hell is still hot. Hell is still hot. You know what old preachers preached on? They preached on hell. I remember as a boy growing up, scared to death. Scared to, I'm telling you, Brother Stan, they could preach hell so hot that I'd have burn marks on my legs when I went home. Are you, Brother Ted, that's what they preached hell hot. Today, preacher, you know, God's just a God of love, and, 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 and God would never send nobody to hell. You're right. He won't send nobody to hell. Man dies and goes to hell when he chooses himself to reject the blood of Jesus Christ and to reject the love of Christ because the love of Christ is this, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Them old preachers would say this. They would say this, Psalms 9, the heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made in the net which they hid uh, uh, is their own foot taken. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. They'd say hell's hot today. Boy, if we could open the center of the earth today, we'd see a rich man in hell. And that's the way the Bible describes him as a rich man in Luke chapter number 16. And he's crying out in agony today, Father Abraham, Father Abraham, let me just have one drop of water. They'd say hell's hot today. Let me tell you what's going to happen today. If you die lost without God, you're going to die and go to hell. Let me tell you what's going to happen today. If you close your eyes in death and you've never accepted the Lord as your personal Savior, you're going to open your eyes in an eternal lake of fire which burneth with fire and brimstone. You're going to die and go to hell. Hell is still real today. Just as much as there is a heaven above us today, there is a hell below us. Just as much as there is a God in heaven. Uh, uh, There's a devil in hell. Uh, uh, Just as much as there is angels in heaven. uh, uh, There's demons in hell. Uh
As much as the saints of God has made it to heaven, there's a group that's died lost without God, that's burning in a devil's hell today. What would the preachers of late say? They would say there's still a hell. And if you reject the love of Christ and you reject the blood of Christ, you'll die and spend eternity in a place called hell. Hell's still hot today. Hell's still hot today. Hell's still hot today. What would they say? Holy living's still right today. Holy living's still right today. Holy living's still right today. What would they say? Number three, I'm done. Not only would they say, holy living's still right. Hell's still hot. But they would say this, heaven's still sweet. Heaven's still sweet. That landmark. You want me to tell you the reason I knew about hell? Because somebody set a landmark in my life and taught me about it. They'd say heaven's still sweet today. Heaven is still sweet today. I read some this week on heaven. And uh, you know what my, my end results of reading on that was? Wow. Wow. We, a lot of times, we want to emphasize the streets of gold, the gates of pearl, the crystal river of life. A lot of times we want to emphasize seeing our loved ones, Brother Josh, that has outrun us in this race and has made it to the other side. Oh, but hear me and hear me well this morning. That's not what heaven is all about today. I'm telling you today, when we get to heaven, the last thing on our mind is going to be streets of gold. I don't mean this in no disrespect. The last thing on your mind is even going to be seeing your loved one. When we get to heaven, thank God there's a throne in heaven uh, and he that sits on it uh, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and if we could see the throne of God today, uh, here's what we would see. Uh, we would see beast uh, with eyes within uh, and eyes without. And they're flying around the throne of God. Uh, the fault finding beast. Uh, they're trying to find something uh, to bring fault out on. Uh, and here's all that they can say uh, about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, holy, uh, holy, uh, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Uh, I'm telling you the reason uh, heaven's going to be sweet uh, is because one day uh, I will behold he uh, who gave his life for me. Uh, he who suffered, bled uh, and died so I could leave of. He who is willing to forgive my sins and to wash me white as snow. Oh, heaven will be sweet one day. It'll be sweet. It'll be sweet. Why? Here's the reason why. Jesus is there. Jesus is there. Bible said this, greater love, greater love hath no man than this, than that a man lay down his life for his friend. And you know what happened some 2,000 years ago? Do you care to come start playing softly? You know what happened some 2,000 years ago? Here's what happened. And, and can I just say this? I'm coming in for a landing. Can I just say this? Calvary was not an afterthought to God. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God didn't start wringing his hands and popping Xanax and wondering what he's going to do. So the Bible said, 
that he was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Calvary was not an afterthought to God. Some 2,000 years ago, there was a man by the name of Jesus that come by the way of a virgin by the name of Mary. Let me just say something about Mary. Thank God for the lady that was the mother of Jesus, but she'll never save you. If you're praying to Mary, you hadn't got any hope. Hear me tell you the reason why Mary's dead and in a grave. Amen. But I'm not praying to Mary. I'm praying. I feel like preaching about an hour and a half. I'm praying to somebody that is alive and well this morning. Here's what happened some 2,000 years ago. God looked at the condition of man. Saw how wicked and vile and rotten and low down we was. Every one of us. Because I stand here today in a suit and tie. I don't have a suit and tie on today. Because <laughs> I stand here today with a Bible in my hand preaching the Word of God don't mean that I'm better than anybody. I'm probably the lowest of all sinners sitting in this room today. I don't even want to tell you the thoughts that's been through my mind while I've sat on the platform this morning. If you was honest, there's been some thoughts in your mind too. But some 2,000 years ago, God saw the condition of mankind. And all throughout prophecy, they had said, He's coming. He's coming. It's a man that... Boy, I'm telling you, I feel like preaching a while. This man named Jesus is coming. Guess what happened? We roll into Matthew chapter number 1. Guess what happens? This man named Jesus. Matter of fact, it goes through the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ is a Moabitess woman and a harlot. What about that? What matter of fact, Rahab is called Rahab the harlot everywhere else in the Bible. But in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ, she's just called Rahab. You want me to tell you the reason why? When you get in the family of Christ, old things are passed away and all things become new. This man named Jesus shows up on the scene. I've been reading a lot about him here lately and I'll just say this in passing, even starting to write some things. Just been reading about him. Here's what I found out. He shows up on the scene. He's born when he's probably around five. We get a glimpse into his life. At 12, we get a glimpse into his life. Then we don't hear nothing else from him. But at 30 years old, all of a sudden, he shows up on the scene. Well, there's a message in that. Just live a large life in a small place. For 30 years, you practically didn't hear nothing about him. But for three and a half years, he changed the course of history in three and a half years. He made the lame to walk, the blind to see, the deaf to hear, raised the dead. Are you hearing me? But that was not the whole intent of Jesus coming. That was just benefits of him being there. The whole intent was one night in the garden. He prayed until his sweat become as great drops of blood. 
He was praying for you. He was praying for me. I believe that. They arrested him. They broke all Roman laws of crucifixion. They beat him with a cat of nine tails. His bowels gushed from within. According to Psalms 22, his bones stared at him. The good shepherd came in Psalms 23, but Psalms 22 had to happen first. His bones stared at him. Why? Because he loved you and because he loved me. They took him up an old rugged path to a place called Golgotha, the place of the school. There, they didn't wrestle with Jesus. I don't think Jesus tried to get away from them as most people did before they nailed him to an old rugged cross. No, I believe Jesus laid his life down willingly. He stretched his arms and his feet out. They drove the nails in his hands. They drove the nails in his feet. They placed him on an old rugged cross and stood him up that day. And as the words began to utter from his mouth, here's what he said, Father... Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. A man in all the agony that he was in, Brother Josh, with his bowels, I believe that, gushing from within, with his bones staring at him, with a crown of thorns driven down upon his head, with a beard plucked from his face. He wasn't worried about himself. He was worried about you. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do goes on and says, my God, my God, all other times he had referred to him as his father. But that day he said, my God, my God, why? Because at that moment he was no longer his father. He was his judge and he was being judged for the sin of the whole world, for your sin and for my sin, for everything you've ever done wrong and everything I've ever done wrong. Hey, Jesus was on Calvary saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus took our place. He died. They put him in a grave. But the grave couldn't hold him. And three days later, he arose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. He stuck around 40 days and was solved by many. And after 40 days, we have what is known as the ascension. He ascended back into the heavens. Let me tell you the reason Jesus done all of that. For you... So you could escape hell through His help live a holy life and enjoy a sweet heaven one day. And enjoy a sweet heaven. So preacher, how does a man get saved? Can I say this to you? It's as simple as A, B, C. A, He acknowledges that He's a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I don't think none of us has to argue that fact today. We're all sinners. B, he's got to believe that Jesus will save him. And you hear me and hear me. If he said he'd do it, he'd do it. C, he's got to confess his sins and ask God to come into his heart and save him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You said, preacher, the night you got saved, Boy, that was a good night, by the way. Best night of my life. Preacher, the night you got saved, what did you pray? I can't tell you what I prayed that night. 
Brother Robert, I can't tell you. I can't tell you what I prayed that night. But I can tell you this. I knew I was lost. I knew I was going to die and go to hell. I knew that he could help me. And let me tell you, when I believe I got saved, as soon as I stood up out of my pew and started down the aisle, I believe that I can't tell you when the water was turned into wine, but I can tell you this, it was turned into wine. I believe that very moment when I stood up, I was saying in my heart, I was saying in my heart, God, I believe you. God, I believe you'll save me. God, I'm sorry for what I've done wrong. And God, I want you in my life. And can I tell you what happened to me that night? Boy, God reached further down than I could ever reach up and saved my hell-deserving soul. It's simple. You just got to ask him. Are you saved? Most important question you'll ever answer in your life. Where are you going to spend eternity at? Fall.